great and greatly to be praised. God is great in my soul. He's my rock. He's my rock, my sword, my shield. He's the wheel in the middle of the wheel. The great. Thank you, Jesus. Let's give him some honor today. Let's give him some praise. My God, we lift up your holy name and we give you all glory, Jesus. What a great privilege to be in your house. Do a great work amongst us today, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Turn to Daniel chapter 10, if you would. And again, not from my wife and myself, thank you so much for everything uh, you did for us. We really uh, had no clue what was going on yesterday. And... Uh, the McDonald's, brother and sister McDonald, good friends of ours, had invited us to go to dinner. So we showed up at their house, and we sat for a little while and talked, and then we drove to go to what we thought was the restaurant, ended up at the church. And when we pulled up in front of the church, saw cars there, and, sh and they said, this restaurant is called the 40th. And so, <laughs> so I'm like, all right, <laughs> well, I couldn't run at that point. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh boy, well thank you so much and again for all of you that gave and all of you that, that cooked and everything else, it was just an absolutely grand time and of course having all of our kids there and, uh, and having you there, that was just phenomenal, thank you. Daniel chapter 10, this is kind of a, in a sense a part two to last week's message in a way, a little bit, quite a bit different but yet there are some similarities that I feel like the Lord wanted me to cover. I, I actually had uh, probably two or three, at least two messages that I was thinking about preaching today and maybe a third, but uh, this is the one the Lord told me to focus on. So Daniel chapter 10, starting verse 10, welcome to everyone that's here. We're glad you're here. Now it's going to be a little lengthy reading, but just bear with me for a few moments. Daniel 10, starting at 10, it says, and behold, an hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, under, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright. For unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Verse 12, Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand, or, if I could say it like this, from the first day he started praying, from the first day he started talking to the Lord, from the first day he set his heart to understand and to chasten, or fast, he, he was praying and fasting, to chasten thyself before thy God, the words, thy words were heard. In other words, from the very moment he started praying, his words were heard. Everybody got, you're with me so far, right? And then the angel, this is an angel that's speaking, says, And I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief priests, came to help me, and I, rem I remained there with the king's of Persia, now, uh, now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days, for yet the vision is for many days. In other words, the vision is for somewhere in the future. 
Verse 15, And when he had spoken such words unto me, I set my face towards the ground and became dumb. And behold, one like the similitude unto the sons of men touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spake and said unto him that stood before me, O my Lord, by the vision my sorrows are turned upon me, and I have re, uh, returned or I have retained no strength. For how can the servant of this my Lord talk with this my Lord? For as for me, straightway there remaineth no strength in me, neither is there breath left in me. Then there came again and touched me, uh, one like unto the appearance of man, and he strengthened me. And said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be unto thee, and be strong, yea, be strong. And when he had spoken unto me, I was strengthened, and said, Let my Lord speak, for thou hast strengthened me. In verse 20, Then said he, Knowest thou wherefore I am come unto thee? And now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia, and will I, when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Grecia shall come. But I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth. And there is none that holdeth with me in these things but Michael, your prince. I know it's a lengthy reading, but I, and I hope I can really get this message across today. But I feel like the Lord wants me to help you to understand adversity. And so that's my message title today is Understanding Adversity. Not overcoming. I, I was going to use that for a title, but I'm, I felt like understanding adversity is what we need to talk about today. W well, when you understand, you will overcome. We'll talk about that. Lord Jesus, we're asking that you would talk to our hearts today. Let us hear from heaven. We, we, I believe, Lord, that you gave me this message as kind of a sequel to last week, and I believe that you're going to use this to further our knowledge in this area. So bless your people today. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. you may be seated. So let me lay a little groundwork. Daniel had been praying and fasting for about three weeks. Some of us have a hard time fasting for three hours, but... He was fasting for three weeks, praying and fasting for three weeks. And an angel by the name of Gabriel came and told Daniel the future. The angel Gabriel is a messenger angel, but he was sent. The Bible tells us from the very moment that Daniel began to pray, the answer was sent. All right? You, everybody, got, got it, you got to get that. From the very moment that he started praying, the answer was on its way. But the devil began to hinder him. It was called the prince of Persia, but that, that, that is the enemy. That is the devil. That is Satan or a demon of some sort. And so Gabriel was sent. He was sent with the answer, but he was withstood. And Gabriel told Daniel that from the first day you prayed, God sent the answer, but I was hindered as I was on the way. What he was saying is that there was an adversary. And so 21 days he fought to get through with the answer to Daniel's prayer. Then Michael, the archangel, came and took over the fight that Gabriel was fighting 
so that Gabriel could get through. Now, everybody got that picture in your mind so far? Gabriel was sent with the answer. He was stood. He was fighting the devil for 21 days. Michael came, and he took over the fight so, so Gabriel could get through. And in the end of the chapter, uh, Gabriel says, I am going back to fight the adversary again. But there's something other that he says there that's very important. He also says that there is another adversary that's coming after him. I am going back to fight the king or the prince of Persia. And so I'm going to talk about this a little bit. He seemed to say that the next adversary, which is yet to come, I'm already starting to deal with him. In the context and in the idea of understanding adversity, we need to really understand that there will always be a battle. After this battle, there'll, there'll be another battle. And after that battle, there will be another battle. Now, I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm trying to help you with something. So I need you really to get this. The angels who are fighting this present adversary knew that there would be another adversary that would come. And so I ask you the question today, why, why is there always or why does there always seem like there's an adversary? Shouldn't we just expect that we could have forward movement without any fight or without any battle or without any hindrance? The next adversary, which is to come, uh, the angel is saying, I'm already dealing with him, and I need some child of God to understand today that God is fighting on your behalf. Uh, he's fighting today's battle, but he's already begun next week's battle. He's already begun to fight next year's battle. He's already begun to fight next year's devil. I hope that encourages somebody today. The kingdom of heaven, uh, we need to understand, uh, is, is accomplished by successive battles. Uh, each step, each battle, each victory adds another level of growth in your life. Uh, Persia, then Greece, uh, and, and all between those battles. In fact, I want to say this. Uh, Daniel was, or, or the angel was fighting on behalf, behalf of Daniel, the prince of Persia, uh, and then there was going to be another one one, the, the prince of Greece, Greece that was going to come, uh, but what you do between each battle is up to you. Amen. If you are going to win this battle, then get ready and set your face like flint uh, because the next battle is coming. Uh, keep walking with God. I want to tell somebody today, what you do between your battles uh, is vitally important. I think one thing we tend to think that it's just okay to relax and and, and be at ease, but when you know that there's another battle coming, you're going to prepare for it. Spiritual growth and maturity don't happen by accident. You're not going to grow by osmosis. You're not going to grow just because uh, you, you know, you're alive spiritually. If you're going to grow spiritually, it's going to take effort on your part. Uh, if you're going to become a prayer warrior, then you're going to have to pray. If you're going to shake the kingdoms of hell, then you're going to have to get down on your knees. Uh, and you're going to have to fast and talk to God and get a hold uh, of the throne, get a hold of the horns of the altar and get through it. Amen. You, you've heard the phrase, how many have ever heard the phrase growing pains? Have you ever heard that? No, there's some nurses here that 
might a little bit be, be a little bit more associated with that, especially pediatric nurses. Because when we hear the phrase growing pains, you could take a child that is going through one of those growth spurts and their body hurts, and you can bring them to the doctor, and the doctor can examine them and find nothing wrong with them. So what do they call the problem? They call the problem growing pains. Their bones are growing. Their muscles are expanding. There's nothing physically wrong with them. They're just going through growing pains. Well, if we can understand the same as our walk with God, there's going to be times that we're going through that growth spurt and we've got growing pains that are associated with it. Amen? So you need to really understand that. We've heard the phrase growing pains, and now hopefully we know where it comes from. I was really challenged as, as I read about Daniel and how that two angels, while battling the present enemy, were preparing for the next enemy. Now, the next scripture is very challenging. and In Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 13, it says, But the word of the Lord was unto them precept upon precept. Now, I'm going to go slow. Because there's something here that really bothered me. How, how many have ever heard precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little? We've all heard that, right? But we often don't quote the latter part of this. When you look at the verse, and, and I'm going to try to relay this the way the Lord showed me, but the word, the word of the Lord was unto them precept upon precept. Precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, and there a little. Notice this. That they may go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. Now, Brother James, that's odd. Here a little, there a little, line upon line, precept upon precept. And then it seems like in the scripture, the Lord retreats a little bit and says, now they're going to fall backwards and be broken. <laughs> well, I don't get that. That doesn't register. If I am getting here a little, there a little, line upon line, pre precept upon precept, it, to me, it insinuates growth and growing in God. But as we wrestle through this, and you really have to, it says, and by the way, and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. So you can only understand it by really taking a good long look at what it's trying to say. Precept upon precept and line upon line is learning and growing. But then it says, go and fall backward. It doesn't make sense, but when I begin to study it, there is that learning and growing but yet they are still falling backward and taken in a snare. The reference as you study it out, it, it talks about stumbling and falling backwards like a drunken person. All right, now I knew it was going to get quiet in here. So the reference is that they may be learning line upon line and precept upon precept, but they are still drunken and falling backward. A couple verses later, it helps us to understand it in Isaiah 28 and 16. 
Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. So in life, as God's people, we have to we have, to have a sure stone, which is who? It's Jesus Christ. Even though we are learning line upon line and precept upon precept, we've still got to have a solid foundation. And without a solid foundation, you're going to be like a drunken person and you can easily slip and fall backward. And so we need to establish ourselves in God. The verse says, He that believeth shall not make haste or, or not be ashamed. We have to do more than believe. We have to apply our lives to serving God and apply our lives to standing upon a sure foundation. I want somebody to understand today, just because somebody sounds good and you hear that TV preacher and it sounds good and he talks to you about how he's been wearing the same t-shirt for the last 40 days as, he, as he's been praying, you send him $100, he'll send you a one-inch square of his t-shirt. It may sound good, but it may not be right. We have got to learn to stand upon a sure foundation. So what's the difference between one who falls and suffers under pressure of trials and someone who doesn't? I'm going to answer that in just a little bit. But when Joshua brought Israel into the promised land, they fought several battles. Many think that when you are in the plan of God, that God, that, that there shouldn't be any battles. But Israel, through Joshua, or with Joshua, fought at Jericho. Then Ai, they got defeated at Ai. They had to fight that battle again. And then they fought in Bethel, Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth. Then they went to Lachish, Eglon, Mekadesh, uh, Le Lebna, if that's pronounced right, Gezer, Hebron, Debar, and Hazor. Hazar. But look at what God said in Exodus chapter 23, starting at 27. The Lord said to Israel, I will send my fear before thee. I will destroy all the people to whom thou hast come. And I will make all thine enemies turn their backs unto thee. I will send hornets before thee, which shall drive out the Hivite and the Canaanite and the Hittite from before thee. But notice verse 29. I will not drive them out before thee in one year lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field multiply against thee. By little and little will I drive them out from before thee until thou hast increased inherited and inherited the land. What the Lord was telling them was this. Uh, I could drive them all out of the land uh, just by sending hornets into the land, driving them all out all at once. Uh, but I'm not going to do that because if I do that, uh, the land is going to be overcome with wild beasts uh, and the fields are going to be overgrown with weeds and, and so forth and so on. Uh, so what he said is, I am going to drive them 
them out little by little, inch by inch, line by line, precept by precept. Uh, And so I'm going to drive them out. Uh, You're going to occupy the land, uh, but you're going to step into one city. And then you're going to step into the next city. And then you're going to step into the next city. And each city is going to have its own battle. Each place you go, every place that the foot of your, your, that that your foot touches, it's going to be a fight. uh, But I'm going to be with you every step of the way. So God is saying, if I drive out all your adversaries at once, the land will become desolate. So if you want to know why it seems like there's one battle and then another battle and another battle, the Lord is fighting for you and you are going to be victorious, but it will be one battle after another battle after another battle. I didn't give this scripture to them earlier, but in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Beloved, think, not, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. In fact, could you put that up for me? It's 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12. The Lord showed me something this morning that I haven't seen before. And let's see if they can get it up here soon. 1 Peter 4 and verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which, what is the next word? Hello? Is, all right, the fiery trial, which what? Is to try you. All right? What does the word is mean there? Well, I'm not quite sure it means now. It could be, but it says is. It could mean, in a sense, that it is the one that's to come or the one that's in the future. It could mean the present, but the way it impacted me today was almost like it's the one that's coming shortly. That's the way it impacted me this morning. And yes, I think you're right. It could be taken either way. But the way the Lord showed me it this morning was that this is the battle that is to come. So think it not strange concerning the, fire, the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Sometimes we look at trials and we put our hands on our heads and we say, oh my Lord, what is going on around me? But the scripture says uh, that we should not consider it strange uh, thinking about the fiery trial which has come against us. Uh, What it's saying is... uh, Don't get overcome by it. Uh, Don't get beat down by it. Don't lose your victory because there's a battle that's come your way. Don't lose the Holy Ghost uh, because all all of a sudden you've been blindsided by something. Stand up uh, and serve God and pray and seek His face and overcome uh, and you will be an overcomer. So in this message and trying to help you to understand adversity is that when we understand it, then we can have victory over it. But when we don't understand it, then it's rocking our world. It's shaking our faith. And maybe I could ask this question. I hadn't thought about it earlier, but how many of you have ever been through a trial in your life that has literally shaken your faith? Come on, somebody, slip your hand up in there. I hope it's more than just me. I mean, it has rocked your world. It has shaken your faith. 
It's, it's almost like you step back and you're questioning God. God, why, if you loved me, why would you allow this? Now, I know I'm not the only one. I know there's others here as well. That, that you, there, there have been times you, you've just had to step back. You're looking at your trial. You're looking at what you're going through. You're looking at the trouble. And you're kind of shaking your head say, saying, well, the Bible tells me I'm going to victor- be victorious. The Bible tells me I'm going to have peace that passes all understanding. But I don't have any peace right now. God has empowered us to become to, or to be overcomers. In John 16, it says, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have, you shall have tribulation, but be, of, be of, um, of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So we need to stop being bystanders in our walk with God. We are not bystanders, we are not defeated, and we are not losers. And God wants us to win this battle. But He also wants us to win the next battle. He's already sent angels to fight your next battle. Somebody's not getting this yet. If that's what he did for Daniel, then that's what he's doing for me because God is not a respecter of persons. So the angel that's fighting my present battle has already got his eyes on the next one. In simplest terms today, this message is about walking and growing while experiencing and defeating every battle as it comes. We lose the battle, or at least we lose the headway when we stop fighting. Wow, it's quiet in here. You're scaring me. Everybody's thinking about the snow. Don't worry. I'm looking out the front door. It's not snowing yet. You'll be able to get your car out of the parking lot. And I got a tow strap for my truck and four-wheel drive, and the plow's already on it. So if you get stuck back there, I'll pull you out. Don't worry. But what, we, what happens is we lose the battle when we stop the headway. I, I need to somehow get this across. I, I love to go sailing. And in sailing, you can't just sail into the wind. It doesn't work. The sail's just going to flap like this, and the wind is going to push you backwards. You can't sail into the wind. You can tack, which is what Brother Steve just said, which means the wind is coming this way, so I'm going that way. I'm still going forward, but I'm not going straight forward. I'm going like this. And then I turn, and I start going like that. And I turn again, and I go like that. I'm sailing against the wind, but I'm still making forward progress. The same thing is true regarding our walk with God. We want to go from point A to point B without any issues, without any trials, without any trouble. But that's not the way that God designed it. God designed us to win this battle, not to lose the battle. 
to fight and to win the battle. But to also know that there's another one coming. And if all we do is let the devil push us around, then he's pushing us backwards. Hello? If you think treading water works, in the long run it doesn't. Has anybody ever been caught in a riptide? You've been out at the ocean and you got caught in a riptide. Now, you could be out at the ocean and you could be swimming and maybe your family is on the shore and you get caught in a riptide. It's either going to pull you out away from the shoreline or it's going to pull you down along the shoreline. A riptide is basically a backwards current. It's kind of like an eddy where the water goes north when it's supposed to be going south. And so it will pull you away and it will sap your strength. That's why many people die or, or, or at least get, you know, could potentially drown when they're in a riptide. The idea of a riptide is to take you away from where you're wanting to go. But you've got to learn to get through it. When you sense you're in a riptide, you don't just swim against it. You use that current to get to a safer place. It's the people that will just swim against it as hard as they can uh, and they sap all their energy and can't get back to the shoreline. But that current, if you will use it and utilize it, kind of like tacking, you may be way down the shore somewhere, but at least your feet will be back on the sand instead of floating away out into the ocean somewhere. We've got to learn how to fight. So we lose the battle when we lose the headway or we stop fighting. In 2 Peter 1, 5 it says, And beside this, and I used this last week, beside this, giving all diligence to your faith, to add to your faith virtue, to your virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience, to patience godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things and is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten, notice this, hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. I, I, I talked about that last week, so I don't have to really get into that. But where we fail is when we stop growing and we start focusing on others and we start focusing on our problems and we start focusing, uh, start focusing upon our failures. Let me give you a big headline that should have been in the Harvard Current this morning. I didn't look at it. It's probably not there. But every one of you will fail. Every one of you will have a problem. Every one of you will suffer from time to time. It's going to happen. But just because you fail does not mean you're a failure. You just get back up and start fighting again. You dust off your pants, you dust off your skirt, and you get up and you keep fighting. I've been disappointed by people, and so have you. 
But I've learned not to focus on people, to focus on him. If all you're going to do is focus on people people all the time, then your, your walk with God is going to be wishy-washy. You're going to be like in your quicksand all the time. You're just sinking more and more. You're trying to fight, but you sink more and more. You've got to get your eyes off of everybody else. You've got to get your eyes off of your situations. Get your eyes upon the Lord and fix your eyes upon him. I sense somebody is agreeing with me today. Uh, yes, we're going to fail. Yes, we're going to have a problem, and, and we're going to have problems. And yes, we're going to have a battle, and we're going to have another battle after that. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we're not going to be victorious. Uh, one of these days, they're going to usher us through golden gates. Uh, amen. And we're going to walk uh, I mean, gates of pearl, and we're going to walk on streets of gold. That, and, and those are going to be the same people that have been victorious. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, it says, Set your, notice this, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. I want you to know this. When people harbor disappointment and things that they see in this walk, they will gradually take their eyes off of Jesus and put them on people. We've got to be careful not to harbor disappointment. And by the way, people that look at you are going to be disappointed too. By the way, I I picked the nicer of the two messages this morning. The reason I picked the nicer of the two is because you guys were so nice to us yesterday. I wanted to be at least reasonably nice to you today. Wait till you get my next message. (laughs) Lord Jesus, help us. But we can harbor disappointment and we can let it cripple us. Or we can just simply realize, guess what? They're not perfect either. What happens is people become critical. Then they become judgmental. It starts with criticism. And then they got this high and mighty attitude and spirit that says, well, I wouldn't do that. Or bless God, they shouldn't be singing in the choir. Or bless God, he shouldn't be preaching that message. Or she shouldn't be teaching that Sunday school class. We get that attitude that becomes judgmental and it will condemn your walk with God. So what's the solution? Repent. Get right with God and get right with the other people if you need to. David said in Psalm 51 starting at 8, Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. I know Sister Ellen knows this and some of you may not. So let me explain it to you. I'm going to read on in a minute. But if you, there's, a, there's a, a book, A Shepherd's Look at, at the Psalm, Psalm 51. And, and, and so the idea, the idea of the broken, bro, broken bone is this, that every once in a while, a shepherd has a rebellious sheep. 
Now, we don't, Brother Brown, we don't have any rebellious sheep in the church. All right? But every once in a while, there is a rebellious sheep. And that rebellious sheep will go where they want and do what they want when they want. Now, none of you are like that. The reason there is a shepherd is to protect the sheep. A sheep is dumb. Saints are not dumb, they're intelligent. But the problem with a sheep, you see, they have no defense mechanism. They don't have claws. They don't have any way to fight. They have nothing to defend themselves with. Think about a turtle for just a moment. How does a turtle defend itself? It pulls itself into its shell so nothing can get at it, right? How does a skunk defend itself? It raises its tail and fires away, right? A lion has what? Teeth and claws. Many animals have a way of defending themselves. Sheep do not. Everybody got that picture so far? So when a sheep becomes rebellious and wanders and puts itself in danger, and it's always, you know, it's always in the lamb stage. So when that little lamb begins to wander. Sometimes the, the shepherd will do its best. He takes his shepherd crook and he tries to pull it over and that little sheep keeps, keeps wandering. Then what will happen sooner or later is the shepherd, in order to protect the sheep, will take and take that, that little lamb and it, he will put its leg into his arm and he will take his shepherd's crook and he will break its leg. He'll break the leg of the sheep. Or the little lamb. And then he'll set that little lamb on the ground. And of course now its leg is broken and it cannot support itself. And so it feels the weight of the pain or, or the weight and then the pain upon its leg. And the shepherd for a period of time will have to pick up and carry that lamb. Everybody with me so far? And every once in a while, he'll take that little lamb and set it back down on the ground so it will know your leg is still broken. That's the context of this. And by the way, when it's all said and done, that little lamb that was rebellious ends up being becoming one of the closest to the shepherd because he knows the shepherd will protect me. That's the context here. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins. Blot out all mine iniquities. Then in the next verse, create in me a clean heart, O God. I pray this prayer every time I pray. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. And then verse 12, restore unto me the joy of my salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. I want somebody to hear, hear me today when I say this. If you are not presently in a place where you have joy in your salvation, God has not moved, you have. 
If the joy of your salvation isn't there, it's because you haven't embraced the purpose of this current circumstance or this current battle that you're in. You haven't learned the lesson that you need to learn, and therefore you do not have the joy that you should have in your salvation. In James 1 and 12, it said, blessed is the man. And by the way, some people are, if you're in a place right now where you're struggling through difficulties and you're struggling through trial, when you read verses like this, you kind of get ticked off at God. In James 1 and 12, blessed is the man that endureth temptation. I don't want to hear that when I'm in the midst of a trial. Am I alone? Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. Yeah, that's easy. You're not going through anything right now. For when he is tried, he shall receive a crown of life. I'm like, give it to me now. Which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Then 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. We're, we're, we got temptation coming from every single direction. And we read a scripture that says that, that there is no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. How many of you have ever felt like you have been tempted above that you are able? Be honest. <laughs> a few of you. Amen. He will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will with temptation also make a way of escape that you might be able to bear it. Then 1 Peter 5 and 10. But the God of all grace who hath called us unto his, uh, unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish and strengthen and settle you. Lord, it hasn't been a while. I've been suffering for a long time. And then Romans 8.35, it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? So if any of these scriptures or any like them make you mad, you're stuck in your growth with God. And you're not where you should be. And I'm not saying that to condemn you. What I'm saying that is maybe to prod you into some progress. You will get through this if you stand strong. In Galatians 6 and 9, it says, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So when the enemy fights, can I tell you, uh, child of God, fight back. Don't Don't cave in, just pray through it. In Ephesians uh, chapter 6, starting at 11, it says, Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I feel like I need to tell somebody this. There, how many, let me ask a question first. How many of you have ever had somebody in your personal life or where you work and they are like your personal thorn in the flesh? Has anybody ever had that? I mean, they're like your personal devil to dispatch to really irritate you. Or am I the only one? I mean, you have that coworker, and they're like, you see them and you want to go the other way. You don't want to talk to them. You know, it it seems like every time they turn around, they're saying something nasty to you or they're causing all kinds of trouble in your life. 
Have you ever thought of that person as being a gift and not a curse? Yeah, now you're all thinking like, that just doesn't register. That does not compute. That does not work out. I've had people like that. And so there are times when, when we are going through things like that. We have people in, in our lives that are like that. That's where we can go back to the scripture where it says uh, that we fight against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of the world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. It's not that person that's the enemy. It's the spirit behind that person that's the enemy. So my recommendation to you, and our musicians are going to come in a few minutes, when Satan pushes, you need to push back. I hate bullies. I've always hated bullies. So when Satan pushes, you push back. And if you're going to make it, if you're going to survive, it's going to be because you're going to fight back. You're not going to just take the punches. And the way we fight is we pray. We stay faithful. We continue to serve God. And if you can't do it alone, have somebody that will come alongside you and pray with you. Because the Bible says where two or three are gathered there, he will be in the midst. And so I, I, th this morning, if our musician would come, we're going to do something a little differently. And Brother Brown, I was going to ask you before service, and I forgot. But I want us to take time, if we can, to bind it together and to fight together and fight for one another. And so I'm going to read a couple more scriptures, and I'd like Brother Brown to come up, and we're going to stand in a few moments. But I want us to pray that God will help one another, that God will help us, that God will lead us and guide us and protect us, and God will shield us. In James chapter 5, verse 15, it says, And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he had committed any sins, they shall be forgiven him. Then in Deuteronomy 32, verse 30, it says, How shall one chase a thousand and two put ten thousand to flight except their rock had sold them and the Lord has shut them up? So if one can put a thousand to fight, flight and two can put a th ten thousand to fight, then how much could we put to flight here today? And I, 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 I'm going to close with a couple thoughts. Some of you just need to stop letting the devil push you around. And we need to take time and understand that we have to take authority. So when we understand the adversity, when we understand why and how things are coming against us, then we can also understand how to fight the battle. And some of you might be mechanics. I know Brother James is a mechanic. And these days, in order to find out what's wrong with a car, you have to plug it into a computer. For the most part. Unless you got an old, old school type car. But if you're really going to figure it out, you, you, you plug it into the computer and the computer tells you what's wrong with the car. If you don't know what's wrong with the car, then you're just taking a shotgun approach at trying to fix it. Let me ask a question. How many of you have ever brought your car to a mechanic and they fixed one thing and it didn't fix the problem? And then you had to bring it back, and they fixed something else. And it didn't fix the problem. And then you brought it back again. Now you're a little ticked. You're a little 
irritated. You have steam coming out of your ears. You've already paid for two repairs. You've already repaid for, paid for two mechanics to work on your car, and it's still broke. So you bring it back again, and they fix something else. Has that ever happened to you? Now, for the most part, if they plug it into the computer and the computer's not lying, they'll be able to fix the problem right. But I know what it's like to pay for repair and then another repair and then another repair and then another repair and thinking like, I'm going to drive this car to the dump and go buy a new car. Or drive it to the drive it to the drive drive it to the new car dealer and say, now this is a really great car. It's a wonderful car. It's never given me any kinds of problems. I'd like to trade this car in if you don't mind. And you're going to lie through your teeth. You're going to tell them how wonderful the car is, and you are going to be going like this. Yes, hallelujah! As soon as as soon as you walk out the door, you you step into and sit in your new car. You're going like, I am so thankful they believed all my lies. Maybe you haven't done that. I haven't, but I've thought about it. But you understand where I'm coming from. Sometimes you just get to the point where enough is enough. And you got to just stop putting up with it. Well, somebody here today, enough is enough. You just got to stop putting up with it. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The God that we serve can help you through your trial, can help you through your circumstance. So if you would stand with me for just a moment. And Brother Brown is going to come, and and however you feel led to do this, Brother Brown, but I feel like we just need to take authority. I feel like we need to somehow bind together for one another that God is going to help. There are some of you that have been battling sickness for some time. There are some of you that have been battling discouragement for some time. There are some of you that have been having family problems for a long time. And I believe God's going to help. It may not be, it may not seem very spiritual. It may not seem very powerful right now, but I really believe in all my heart that God is going to do something for someone here today. Uh, Brother Brown, if you would come.